We're in a series called The Five Gifts of Jesus. It comes from Ephesians 4, 8 through 13, and I am going to milk this series for every single bit of it that I can because I love this passage, and I won't, probably won't get to speak on it again for five to ten years, so I'm going to squeeze the blood out of the turnip, do whatever i got to do. Um, so Jesus goes to heaven after he dies and rises from the dead, and he leaves the vision of the church. And he leaves the church in the hands of these, these gifts they gave out. Some people got these gifts. Some people got different gifts. But these gifts are to equip the church and build it up. And it's the pastor, prophet, evangelist, apostle, and teacher. And we've already gone through all five. And then I went back last week and talked about the apostles. So today I'm going back to the prophet, okay? So for your handout, part seven, we're going to talk about this. How to prophesy. How to prophesy. I believe this is the answer for what we're going through in the body of Christ right now, and I'm going to teach you how to prophesy. So a lot of scripture today, and my introduction is really long, so bear with me, but my points are a little bit shorter. So Numbers 11, 24 through 29, this is right after the very first set of elders was appointed in the church. God said, Moses, you got two million people, pick out some elders, you need help. And so he picks out these elders. And uh, here's what happens next. Moses gathered 70 men from the elders and placed them around the tabernacles. Moses brings them in the church. That's the first thing that he does. It says, then the Lord came down. So the elders get together in the church with the pastor, and the Lord shows up, and the Lord speaks. Now, sometimes God uses his own vocal cords, and sometimes he uses the vocal cords of man to speak through us. Okay? So he speaks and took the spirit who was on Moses. The Amplified Bible refers to the Holy Spirit as a who, as a him. He's a he. It, it, he's God is what it is. It's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And that same spirit, he, that was on Moses was put on the 70 elders. When the spirit rested on them, everybody say rested. Yes. Okay, we're going to talk about that. They prophesied. They encouraged the church with words of edification and comfort. And watch this. They never did it again. Now I'm going to tell you why that is in a second. Two men remained in the camp, Eldad and Medad, and they had a brother named Yodad. And it says that <laughs> they didn't have any brothers. And the spirit, what was that Bob Newhart show? This is my, my brother. Okay. I get it. Y'all are old. I get it. Okay. The spirit rested on them, and they prophesied. So when the Spirit shows up, words of edification and comfort come out. Verse 29, Moses said, I wish, and this is actually a prayer that comes to pass, I wish that all the Lord's people were prophets. Everybody was a prophet, and then the Lord would put His Spirit on all of them. Okay, so the Spirit rested, they prophesied, and they never did it again. Here's why. The Spirit rested, it didn't remain. It didn't remain, it rested, and then it leaves. When the Spirit rested on them, the right words came out, and then the Spirit leaves, and, and, there, and there's no more prophecy, okay? I want to make sure you understand that. Also, Moses said, I wish that everyone could prophesy. Let me ask you this. Did that happen in the Bible? On the day of Pentecost. Good job, Acts 2, 17 through 18. I will pour out my Spirit on all mankind. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Verse 18, even on my male and female servants, I will pour out my Spirit, and they shall Prophesy. Okay, I need everybody to be a part of this. If you are in here and you are either a son of somebody or a daughter of somebody, can you raise your hand? Okay, if you didn't raise your hand, we do love you and we're glad you're in church. 
and we will pray for you, and God will reveal himself to you in a great way. Okay, so this is the baptism of the Holy Spirit here. This is after you're saved and water baptized, then you can be baptized in the Holy Spirit, which we're going to talk about later on in this year. Sometimes for some people it happens at the same time they get saved. Other times in the Bible it was after they're saved, then they get baptized in the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit remains on them. Who was the first person that was baptized in the Holy Spirit in the Bible where the Spirit remained? Anybody know? It was Jesus, John 1.33. He who sent me to baptize in water said, He upon whom you see the Spirit descend, this is Jesus, and remain, this one is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. The word Holy Spirit in Greek is the word parakletos. Um, it means to walk alongside. The word parabole, which is parable in English, is to throw a story alongside of a truth. Parakletos is to walk alongside of. Now, how many of you would like the Holy Spirit to walk alongside of you everywhere you go with everything you do? And here's the thing. He did. He wants to. He will. But he's not mute. You have to understand when the Holy Spirit is in your life, he is not mute. He doesn't play charades with you. Lord, should we buy the, the 28 acres for 600000 or should we just build where we're at on our own property? And the Lord says this. Okay, two words, two words, two words. First word rhymes with, that's not what he does. He's not a third base coach either, right? You know, steal? Thou shalt not steal? What do I do? I don't know what to do. Okay, he speaks. He speaks. And if prophecy is hearing from God and speaking it out, it implies that God speaks to us. I need you to understand that God speaks to us. Uh, 1 Corinthians 14 one says this, Pursue love, desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. Okay, real quick, and then, and then I'll, get, I'll start teaching. Okay, real quick, play along with me. How many of you in this room will strive to pursue love? Raise your hand. Not everybody, but that's okay. How many of you in this room will desire spiritual gifts? Raise your hand. How many of you in this room will do that so that you can especially prophesy now why would a father tell you to desire something but not give it to you that would be mean if a father said desire a basketball for christmas and you desire and he's like well i'm not going to give it to you how cruel would that be okay if he wants you to desire to prophesy especially to prophesy that means he wants to speak to you and give you words to say to people that will encourage them and build up the church do you, do you understand what i'm saying so I have three points for you today on how to prophesy. And for your notes, number one is this. Hear. Hear. You have to learn how to hear from God. What is the main difference between believers and unbelievers? The main difference is, is that believers can have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Is that true, yes or no? How evil and cruel and horrible would it be if we could tell the world... You can have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, but he'll never talk to you. That's horrible. And there's a, a, a sect of Christians out there who believe that God stopped speaking after the Bible was written. He spoke in Genesis 1 all the way through Revelation 22, and he did not get laryngitis once the Bible was written. He's still speaking to his children. We just have to learn how to hear. Uh, John 10, Jesus said this, the sheep hear his, what is that word? It doesn't say that we sense his impressions. It says we hear his voice and he calls. He doesn't send signals. 
He doesn't, you know, he will send signals and signs, but it says that he also calls them. He calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out. Uh, verse 4, the sheep follow him because they know his voice. Verse 16, I have other sheep that are not of this fold. That's Gentiles, that's us. They will hear my voice and heed my call. Verse 27, my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. According to Jesus, what should we be able to hear? Voice. His voice. We, it says, it's in red in your Bible. We should be able to hear his voice. We were created by a being who hears and speaks, and we were created in his image, and we can hear and speak. And how evil would it be if he can hear and speak, and we can hear and speak, and he can hear us speak, but we can't hear him speak? That'd be horrible. Here's the thing, is just like children, they're born with the ability to hear and to make sounds, they have to be taught. We, we're, we're born with the ability to hear in the natural, but watch this, we're born again with the ability to hear in the spirit. This is what separates us from the animals. Animals cannot communicate like us. Now I know some of y'all, you love your animals, and I know you think they can communicate, they can on some level, but not like us. They were not made in the image of God. If you don't believe me, go home today and go, go to your dog and then look at your dog and say, Are you stupid little thing? You're the dumbest little ugly thing in the world. Yes, you are. And your dog will wag its tail and think that it's about to get a treat. Because it doesn't know what you're saying. Go up to your cat. Pull out a BB gun. No, I'm just kidding. Go up to your cat. And you can say whatever you want to to your cat. And within 30 seconds, your cat's going to turn around and put his butt right in your face. No matter what you say. Because they don't know. I was watching, um, years ago, I was watching with my kids. They used to like the National Geographic channel. And I was watching this one thing where this guy, they were filming this guy. He sits in a room all by himself with headphones. And he listens to whales all day long. <coughs> Ooh. Ooh. All day. And so they filmed him, and they, they went in there, and they said, they said, what's he saying? And Gossip was as serious as can be. This man took off his headset, and he said, he says he's lonely. And I thought, you're lonely. You need a date, and you need to get out of this room. Because you're weird, dude. You listen to that all day. You ain't going to have nothing to do. Um, kids, how many of you know your children that, that communication is a learning process? That listening and knowing when to talk and what to say is something they have to be taught. So we have to learn how, it doesn't happen just like that, we have to learn how. My kids, have, have y'all's kids said things they should have never said? And that they know how to speak, they know how to listen, they just don't know what's going on. One time, um, this is true, uh, I was at another church uh, pastoring, and a lady was visiting that day, and she had a, a disease, um, it's a condition where there's nothing but moles all over your body. She had thousands and thousands of moles, eyelids, nose, nostrils, ears, hands. It was nothing but moles all over, scalp was nothing but moles. And I saw her ahead of time, so I prepared myself because it was unusual. I wasn't used to it. And I was going to go shake her hand. And one of my kids was behind me playing a Game Boy. And he was like this. And when I would shake somebody's hand, he would just stop behind me. He was just looking at my feet. And then he'd follow me around. Just the church, I'm greeting everybody. And I went up to her and I said, hey, it's good to see you. I'm glad you're visiting with us today. About that time, my son looked up and he did this. No! And he drops his Game Boy and runs as fast as he can to my office. I thought, that's not the best way to communicate. We're so glad to have you in church this morning and glad you're worshiping with us. Another time, and this is so true, okay, another time, 
um, you know, Eli's my middle one, and, and he used to annoy the older ones, Zach and, and Logan, and he wanted to play with them, but they didn't want to play with him and all that. Well, one day, Zach and Logan were talking about somebody, and they used the phrase, musky old man. And the way they used it, Eli heard it and thought it was a compliment to be musky and old, and he was little, just started talking. So I took Eli to get a haircut, and, and let me just preface this and say, um, I don't hear very well. And at that time, my hearing started going, but now I, I, don't, I, I try to read lips a lot. I don't hear well at all. And so if I'm ever greeting you before church and you say something and I don't respond accordingly, it's just because I'm not hearing what you're saying. But anyway, and so um, he's getting his hair cut by a lady at church, and I'm sitting far away just kind of playing on my phone. And the lady's talking to me while she's cutting Eli's hair, and she says, I just got married. I said, oh, that's great, that's great. And, you know, I'm thinking, I, I don't want to conversate. I, I can't hear you. And so Eli said in the chair, he said, is your husband a musky old man? And I thought this, I did not hear that. I know I did not hear those words out of his mouth. And she said, what did you say? And at that point, Eli knew it probably wasn't the best thing. And he said, uh, is, he, is he musky and old? Is he a musky old man? And she said, John Paul, did you hear what your son just said? I said, I don't hear nothing y'all are saying. I don't know what you're doing at all. Afterwards, I said, Eli, what did, what, did you, what did you say that for? He said, Zach, Zach and Logan said it about somebody. I thought it was a good thing to be musky. I said, no, musky's not a good thing, son. Anyway, so kids, they just say whatever they want to say. Okay, right? We have to learn. Now, I'm going to teach you how to hear from God. Okay, I'm going to teach you how to hear from God. Out of every, you can look at any, any area in the Bible, 99% of the men and women in the Bible who heard the voice of God, 99% of them, there was one thing in common. Okay? The other 1% was like Pharaoh or Saul to Paul, but 99% of them had this, Acts 13, 2. As they ministered to the Lord, worshiping and serving him, the Holy Spirit spoke, not gave signals, spoke to them. So here's the thing. When you have a heart to worship the Lord and to serve his people, he'll speak to you. So here's what you need to do. If you want to hear the voice of God, and see, once you start hearing it, you'll learn it, and you'll be able to decipher if it's his voice or not the more you hear it. So here's what you do. You spend time worshiping. Lord, you are amazing. You're awesome. You're omnipotent. You're all-powerful. I love you. I'm grateful for everything you've done. You pray, hallowed be thy name. You, you, you worship, right? And I taught you last week, serving God means what? Serving people. So you worship God, and then you say, Lord, give me an encouraging word for somebody, and he'll do it every time. Lord, show me somebody I can encourage, and he will give you the words to say. Lord, show me in the church how I can build up the church. Who can I prophesy to? Who can I speak to? Give me the words, and he'll speak every single time. Wait, you thought that God was going to speak to you to give you the winning lottery ticket? Is that what you really thought? It's not about you. It's about him and his church. So when you, And I'll tell you, the common denominator in people that don't hear the voice of God is people who don't want to encourage people and don't want to serve him. So worship and serve. Worship, serve, and he'll speak every single time. Point number two for your notes is this. Confirm. Confirm. We need confirmation, and the reason why is because not every voice out there is the voice of God. But we need confirmation. You know, remember the old hymn? I don't know if y'all know hymns or not. The old hymn that goes, um...
Amen. He walks and he does what? He walks and he, he talks. He talks to you. But you got to confirm it. Mark 16, 20. The Lord confirmed the word through accompanying signs. Matthew 14, 28. Jesus said, Peter, come out here. Peter said, I need confirmation. Jesus didn't say, dude, you know me. I can't believe you're asking for confirmation. He said, if it's you, command me. And Jesus said, okay, it's me. Come out of the boat and step on the water. It, 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 confirmation is biblical. It's biblical. Now, um, how do we know if it's God or if it's just some crazy thought? A while back, the FBI, they caught some guy that was murdering people. And they asked him why he did it. And he said this. He said, God told me to do it. Now, how do we know that wasn't God? Now, you're going to say this. You're going to say... Because the Bible says thou shalt not kill, right? But God told Abraham to kill his own son. That seems weird. God told David to kill a giant. I mean, Abraham, take your son up on the mountain and stab him in the heart. Doesn't that sound kind of weird? How do we know that was God? Okay, here's how, okay? The confirmation of the voice of God is the entire word of God. It's not one scripture. It's not two scriptures. It's the whole thing. And the entire word of God is the character and the heart of God. So the more you get in the word, the more you'll be able to recognize his voice. God is a God of integrity, right? Great character. So he's not going to ask you to do something that's a lack of integrity. If God tells you to go sign a six-month lease on an apartment complex, and this is God, this is God, I know God wants me to do this, and I'm signing the six-month lease, Three months into it, you can't say, God told me to break the lease. Either God's a liar or you're lying. And God is not a liar. That's why we need to be very careful when we say that God said something. Very careful. But you've got to know the word of God. So I had a lot of confirmations I could share with you. But I want, to, um, I want to tell you a story in the Bible that proves God is okay with confirmation, okay? So when you hear the voice of God or you get a word for somebody, it's okay to wait and say, Lord, I need you to confirm it. I need you to wait and confirm it. Okay, Judges 6, 14, watch this. The Lord said to Gideon, I'm going to use you to rescue Israel from the Midianites. Verse 17, Gideon said, I need proof. I know it sounds like you, Lord, but I just need proof. And so he said, Lord, I'm going to make you some food. I'm going to make you some food. And so Gideon makes some food, and, um, and, judge, and God says this, I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait. Now, I want you to think about this. God was willing to wait for Gideon to prepare food. There was no microwave. There was no Chick-fil-A. And if it was on Sunday, it would be closed anyway. So there was no. So he, God was sitting there for hours. And God's fine with that because he has all of eternity and he wants you to make decisions based on his voice so he will wait until you know that it's him or not. Judges 6, 19-21, Gideon made food, the Lord shows up and he takes his staff and touches the food and poof, the whole thing explodes and disappears just like that. You would think that Gideon would realize, okay, you are the Lord. He still needed more proof. It's a side note theologically. Um, in the Bible, in the Old Testament, when it says the angel of the Lord, uh, theologians believe that's Jesus rather than an angel. But the main passage they use is Judges 6 because in the original text of the Bible, it goes back from saying the angel of the Lord to the Lord, back and forth. So that's why they believe that's Jesus in the Old Testament. So anyway, you think, okay, this is Jesus. Beginning said, I need more signs. Verse 36. God, you said you're going to use me, so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to put some wool on the ground. If there's dew on the wool in the morning but not on the ground, then I'll know. When Gideon got up, he squeezed wool and wrung enough dew to fill a bowl. So now he got his confirmation. Do you think he's ready to go? He needed more confirmation. Verse 39, look how patient God is. Gideon said, God, let me try one more time. 
This time let the wool be dry and the ground be wet. That night God did the very thing. Now Gideon's ready, right? He needs more confirmation. It is not wrong to ask God to confirm his voice. In fact, it is biblical to do so. In Judges 7, he needs more confirmation. So God said, okay, get all the men together. He got 32,000 men to come and fight with him. God said, Gideon, there's too many men. And Gideon's thinking, wait, is this the voice of God or is this the voice of Satan? We're about to go in a battle. I need as many men as possible. God said, nope, 32,000 is too many. You're going to think you did it in your strength. I need you to know I'm the one in charge of this. So he said, okay, Gideon, tell all the men that are afraid that they can go home. Everybody that's afraid, y'all can leave. 22,000 men looked at Gideon and said, our prayers are with you. We're going home. We'll see you later. But we're going to pray for you, and I think you'll be okay. Bye. Now he's down to 10,000 men. God said, you still got too many. So he tells them to go down by this brook, and he says, tell all the men to drink some water. He said, I want you to separate the men who drink like animals from the men who drink like humans. And Gideon's thinking this, we're going to get rid of the crazies today. This is going to be great. 300 crazies and 9,700 men drinking like humans. And God said, get rid of the human ones and keep the crazies. And it says in Judges 7 through 9, another, 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 another confirmation. So Gideon goes down to the camp, and God said, I prepared an encouraging word for you. Because God is all about encouraging words. And they had a dream that this, roll, this, this loaf of bread rolled down the mountain and destroyed all the enemy. And they said, that must be the sword of Gideon, so God must be on his side. And God gave Gideon the victory with just 300 men. Because God is okay giving you a confirmation. And the more, the more you say, Lord... Who can I encourage? How can I build your church? And you hear that voice, and it confirms. The, you'll know his voice, and as you get older, you'll recognize it just like that in your life. And it's important we do so, because not everything out there is God's voice. Do you know that um, right now in the air, there's voices and there's sounds, even though we can't hear? Do you understand that? In other words, if you get a radio and you tune into the right frequency, you'll hear things that are in the air. Do you all believe that? I'm going to show you one of the names of Satan that I don't know you ever thought about before. Ephesians 2.2 says, The ways of this world in accordance with the prince of the power of the air, who is Satan, the spirit who is at work in the unbelieving. Have you ever said something and somebody heard something else? You said something and they heard something else. Why do you think that is? It's because Satan's in the air trying to use strife to destroy relationships. Because communication is everything. All relationships rise or fall on communication. The level to which you are close to Jesus is the level to which you communicate by speaking and listening. Uh, it's amazing that Jesus created words to get us basically out of anything we're going through. You can be the most horrible, horrible sinner and words can change all of it. By asking forgiveness, by an apology can go a long, long way. But it's amazing to me how Satan works in the air to destroy communication. So here's the main confirmation he'd ask for is this. Will this word encourage them to draw closer to Jesus and his wife? His wife is the church. So if it's a word that calls people to draw closer to Jesus and the church, it's from God. Point number three is this. Oh, excuse me, my voice, my throat is... Lord, thank you for healing me right now. Man, 
Number three is encourage. So you hear from God, you get confirmation, and then you speak out words of encouragement. 1 Corinthians 14, 31. For you can all prophesy so that everyone may be encouraged. Ezra 5, 1. Then the prophets Haggai and Zechariah prophesied to the Jews in Jerusalem in the name of God. So Zerubbabel and Jeshua rose up and began to build up the house of God. And the prophets of God were with them, helping them. I, want, I need you to see their heart is to encourage. Their heart is to build up. And God just keeps speaking to them over and over. I'm going to show you in a little bit. I'm going to show you a scripture that says, if you're not building up and encouraging, why would God even talk to you? He wants to find a mouth that is willing to, to yield itself to him. Acts 4.36. Um, let's see. It says, oh, no, I'm sorry, Acts 15.32. Take me back. Judas and Silas, who were prophets, encouraged and strengthened the believers with many words. So if the right words strengthen, encourage, and build up, what do the wrong words do? Um, I had a video I was going to show you, but I didn't have time. This lady... She, uh, she went to Lowe's with her kids. She had like four or five kids. And she got two of the same exact pots from Lowe's. And she got the same bag of dirt. And she got the same packet of seeds. She put the same dirt in both pots. Put seeds from the same packet in both pots. She put one on one side of her house and one on the other. Gave them both the same amount of water. And she told her kids, this pot over here, I want you to go every day and say the nastiest things that you can say to it. And I, I didn't show you the video because there was profanity. She said, you can even cuss at it. She said, I never let my kids cuss, but I'm going to let them cuss at this pot. So every day those kids would go there, you bleepily bleep, fool, I hate you, you're ugly, on and on. The other pot, she said, I want you to speak good things to it. Every day, I want all you kids to go over to it and say, I love you, you're beautiful, you're going to do great things, on and on. Okay? She did a time-lapse video. It's where you take your cell phone and you record like two weeks' time in 25 seconds or whatever. The pot that all the nasty stuff was spoken to... That plant grew about a half an inch and then just wilted over and died and within two weeks. And the other one grew up to be a beautiful flower in two weeks' time. She did another experiment. She took this bag of rice. She poured rice into two bowls, same rice, poured water in the bowls. In one, she put in front of a, in, in her bedroom where there was a TV. She put it right in front of the TV down by the speaker and she turned it on the news channel and played the news. That's right. And played it 24-7. The news has gossip, has slander, has negativity, has bad, right? And then the other one she put in another room in front of the TV. It was like a Christian network. It wasn't TBN, but it was something like that. It was a Christian channel where there was constant preaching and worshiping and that kind of thing, okay? In seven days, the rice that was in front of the news was moldy and brown and disgusting. And for four or five weeks, the other one stayed fresh like it had just come out of the bag. Listen, some of y'all, you have a bunch of mold in your life you're not listening to the right words you're listening to some you're not listening to prophecy that's for sure you, 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 your, your plants aren't growing you're not blooming you're not being fruitful you think what am I doing wrong you're listening to the wrong things Acts 436 I want you to know Barnabas in the Bible he was not named Barnabas by his parents his name was Joseph it says the Apostles named him Barnabas which means son of encouragement and he sold a field and gave him the money okay he was such an encourager that all of his buddies said, man, if encouragement had a baby, it would be Barnabas. If encouragement had a child, if there was the son, if encouragement was walking around and had a son, that son would be Barnabas. Okay, here's my question. 
if your friends named you based on what they hear come out of your mouth, what would your name be? Would it be son of encouragement or would it be son of negativity? Would it be daughter of criticism? Son of profanity? What would, the, what would your children name you if your name was based on the words that come out of your mouth? Okay, I have one more scripture and one more story and I'll let you go. I found this scripture in the Gospels and I've never, ever, ever seen it in this light ever and it blew my mind. It's in Mark 4, 24 through 25 and it's talking about stewarding what you hear. The most stewarding scriptures are about money, but this is about words. Watch this, it's amazing. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear and heed my words, Jesus said. Now, I know that scripture, but I didn't know this one. Pay attention to what you hear. And he's going to tell you, depending on how you handle what you hear, depends on if I give you more or not. Watch. With the pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it'll be measured to you. And more will be given. In other words, if God speaks to you to go encourage somebody and you do it, he's going to speak to you again. If God speaks to you about serving in an area and you do it, he'll speak to you again. If God's speaking to you about praying for somebody, good things over their life, and you do it, he'll speak to you again. It's amazing. For whoever has a teachable heart, to him more is given. Whoever does not have a yearning for truth, which is the word of God, is the only truth we have, even what you have been told. Even what you have heard is going to be taken away from you. So my question is, what do you do when God speaks to you? What do you how do you respond? If you're God and you are looking to build up your church and encourage your people, who would you give the word to to do it? To somebody that's saying all the wrong things? To somebody that's bringing people down? Or to somebody that always has a heart to build up and encourage others. So let me tell you a story and I'll let you go. When I was 26 years old, I thought I heard this voice from God tell me not just to be a pastor, but to start a church. I mean, from scratch. I mean, to start it from scratch in a library. It was the craziest word I ever heard. I thought, that cannot be God because that's definitely what I do not want to do. So I'm sure God's going to tell me to do something I want to do. I don't want to do that. So then I thought, I heard this voice say you need to submit this word to some spiritual authority and i didn't even know that was biblical at the time i had no idea that was biblical but i did it so i called reverend randall dr charles randall and it was hard to call him but he was the only man i knew of incredible integrity 10 years before he had literally body slammed me on the ground in front of my friends because my unsaved redneck self was incredibly mean and hateful toward him and that's the person God told me to call and say, hey, I think I'm supposed to be a pastor and start a church. So I called him up and I said, Reverend Randall, this is John Paul. I said, yeah, 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 it's John Paul. I said, listen, I think I heard from God, but I don't know what to do. And God told me to call you and submit it to you. I'm supposed to start a church, be a pastor. So he drives all the way from Little River that day, that day. He prays with me and he said this. He said, God told me, this is him talking that God is going to confirm this word with a yes or no within three days. I said, okay, good, because I don't care. I don't want to know. You tell me whatever you say, whatever you think God said, I'm fine. That was on a Tuesday. On Thursday night, he went to a church in North Carolina, 
and he was inducting a pastor there, and the pastor preached a sermon, and after the sermon was over, Reverend Randall went up to the pastor and said, I want to take your notes. Give me all your notes right now. He folded it up, he put an envelope, and he mailed it to me. He called me up, he said, uh, God has confirmed one way or another. I said, what did God say? He said, I'm going to send you the answer in the mail. I said, you said it'd be three days. The mail's going to take another day. I don't have time for this. He said, well, you need to learn patience. I know that's not from God. That's not from God. So I get it in the mail, and the, the title of the sermon was this, and I still happen to say it was this. God is trying to build a house. Let him build. The opening scripture was 1 Chronicles 28.10. Take heed now, for the Lord has chosen thee to build a house for the sanctuary. Be strong and do it. The three points in the sermon were this. God is trying to launch you. You've been chosen, so seek him for your assignment. And consider yourself qualified for the task. One month later, I didn't just pastor, I started a church. And here's why this is so amazing. Because in life, emotions love to try to overpower the voice of God. The emotion to quit, the emotion of fear, of I'm not worthy, I'm not qualified. All I have to do is go back to the time that God confirmed a prophetic word. He spoke, he confirmed it with an encouraging word from a spiritual authority. And I go back to that and think, okay, God, you qualified me. I just need to seek you and keep doing what I know you told me to do. That's what prophetic words are supposed to do for all of us. And if God's speaking to you about encouraging somebody, you better go forward and do it because this could be their miracle that they need for the rest of their life as well. Amen. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heads bowed, eyes closed. The beautiful thing we learned today is that if you have the heart to encourage, then God will give you the words to speak. God still speaks today. Yes, God could go straight to that person, but he loves to use people. That's what prophecy all about. Is God trying to find somebody he can use? And if you're having trouble hearing the voice of God, go back to the last thing that you know he told you to do. God told Jonah to go to Nineveh. God didn't speak to him again with his voice until Jonah finally obeyed what God told him to do. I tell you, it's, it's an amazing, it's an amazing gift to be able to hear the voice of God and then declare what he says. I, I do it every week with sermons. and I'm amazed that he still speaks to me, honestly. Amazed. Like I'm... I'm blown away that he still, after all these years, decides to keep speaking. But it's because I have a heart to, to build the church. So if you're here today and you want to begin moving in the prophetic, and you want God to begin to speak to you day after day after day on how to build his kingdom, who to encourage, who to build up, how to edify, if that's you, just lift your hand. I'm going to pray for you right now. And I believe God's going to start speaking to you today. So, Lord, every hand that's up in the air right now, God, we recognize we, we, we can't hear from you without Jesus Christ. So, Lord, begin to speak. 
uh, our ears are, are here. We, we want to hear you, Lord. We want to we want to be used by you. We want your voice. Not the not just the impressions, not just the confirmation. We want your voice. We want to hear your voice. So with every hand raised, we're saying that we have the desire to build up and not tear down. We have the desire to speak good things into people's lives. We have the desire to help move people forward in Christ. We have the desire to give words that somebody can hold on to for the rest of their life. So use these vocal cords. Use these flawed and imperfect vocal cords for you. Speak to our spiritual ears, Lord. Give us the words to say. Lord, let everywhere we go, let the paracletos, let the Holy Spirit walk alongside of us, speaking and speaking and speaking and speaking. We can't get through this life without your voice. So make it clear, make it strong. Let it be your will and your desire that we declare, that we convey from one person to the next. Thank you for using people like us. And thank you that we are your sheep and we will hear your voice for the rest of our life. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. amen. Let's stand to our feet.